Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees, which brings together diverse and unique voices from around the world to share their stories. If you liked today's episode, remember to give us a like, subscribe, and leave a review. Here's your host, David Shunk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees. I am here joined with a great friend of mine. He's across the pond. His country has a very special relationship with the United States, Simon, over in the UK. Simon, so good to have you on the show. Uh, we Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, looking forward to it, Dave. Looking forward to catching up. We haven't spoken for a while, so yeah, good on you. Awesome. No, I, I, absolutely. You know, the work you do is amazing. You know, you're very involved in the adoption world, and uh, your podcast, Thriving Adoptees, is the name carries weight, and you do great work. So it should be a very good conversation. So let's just uh, start off by just, you know, tell us about yourself, fun facts, uh, whatever you'd like to share. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, f- fun. Uh, my age. Is my age fun? I don't know. My age fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 56. <laughs> I, I'm I'm 56, so um, and I live yeah I live up in the the north of England. I live kind of near York, so a, a, a fun thing I try to do and the, and it never the the human sense of humour never really lands. I say, well, you've got we've got you've got New York, right? We've got Old York, but it's the original one, so we just call it York, and that's where I live. And I, I I think it's a fun fact, but nobody ever laughs. It's a British sense of humour thing. Or just no, a, I get, I get it. Sense of humor is a bit shit. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I live <laughs> near York, which is two hundred miles north of two hundred miles north of uh, London, two hundred miles south of Edinburgh, and about eighty miles from where I was adopted from in in uh, Liverpool, and and then people love the Beatles and da da da. So yeah, that's. Yeah, and I was born pretty near that, pretty near Liverpool, yeah, in um, a place called Wrexham, which is now famous because these two actors, the American actors, and I can't remember their names, they bought Wrexham Football Club, right? Um, and it's a it's a program on Disney or, I don't know, it's like a, a, a docu-series, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I was born in Wrexham, which is actually just in, uh, not far from Liverpool, but just over the border into into Wales, yeah. We uh, so I've been with my Mrs. Lynn since '93. We got married in '97. Uh, we have a couple of dogs, and we also uh, who are big hits on on uh, Facebook. They their comments, you know, pictures of them um, gets gets far more interest than really profound stuff that I post on Facebook or even you know trying to be funny stuff on Facebook. And uh, yeah, and we've got a pig. We've got a pig. We used to have two oh. pigs. Fortunately, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> so we've got a, we've got a a, a a field around the house, uh, about an acre or so. And um, Buster, who is eleven now, I think. Yeah, he just he just mooches around and honks and yeah. So that's me. And I've been in the adoption space what two and a half years. Kind of, I started guesting on podcasts. Um, and then, um, and, and then a, men, a mentor of mine told me to start one. I said, no, it's too complicated. She said, just do it. I said, no, it's too complicated. Uh, and she said, just do it. And I went, okay, I'll do it. And that's, that's it. So. And the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. 350 episodes, something like that. Wow. So, um, yeah. I do this. This is kind of full, full time. It doesn't bring me any 
money, uh, the podcast. I do get the occasional speaking gig. And so that brings in some cash. But I, I've, if you've got a pension, you can you can start drawing from that on fifty five when you're fifty five. And we've got a couple of little rental properties that bring in money as well. So yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Wow. So you went from zero episodes to three hundred and fifty, you said something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. took two to about two years. Two and a half years, yeah. I think it was April 21 we started, or March 21. I can't remember. Yeah, April maybe. How many uh, How many interviews do you conduct every week, would you say? I don't know. Um, I, I, I like to do a, a pre-interview conversation uh, and, and, and an interview so I can get to know people and we can talk about what we're going to talk about. And, and yeah, so, I, you know, I tend to be busy with zoom calls three hours a day three hours a day maybe and then yeah and then friday i don't i don't tend to book anything but then occasional stuff comes in yeah i'm, I'm working uh i was out i was over uh, on your side of the pond in in march working in a children's home in greenwood south carolina and also in some elementary schools so this the, the stuff in elementary schools wasn't adoption specific, but the, the children's home clearly was. And I'm, I'm, I'm working with something on them, and, and hopefully that's going to lead to more stuff with more kids. I'm doing some kind of like train the trainer sort of stuff. Really. Right. Yeah, working with the house parents so that they are. I've got this, I came up with this little tagline of trauma informed and hope obsessed. Right. I think yeah. we live in a world that we live in an adoption world that is is trauma um, trauma obsessed. So whether that's the adoption industry in in the US because it is an industry in the UK, it's more like a, a sector because adoption in the UK is funded by the government. So the government pays the agencies, and the right. agencies make the, the adoptions. So it's pretty much free for a domestic adoption in the UK. There's not a lot oh, of wow. it. There's only a couple of thousand a year, I think, at the moment. And you've got maybe 600,000 kids a year, roughly, being born. And so only 2,000, so it's a, it's a tiny you know, drop in the ocean. And, um, yeah, but it, it, so domestic adoption is, is pretty much f- almost free in the UK. Uh, not a lot of it. Uh, in, in, if I, I'm told that international adoption like your, your own one costs money but I, I don't know what that is i don't know what that is but I, I do think the the price on our heads as adoptees and i'm saying like on us like i'm talking about making american adoptees i do think that the price on 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 somebody's head makes me feel a little bit sick you know i've i've seen i i've seen price lists and it's different prices for different skin colors and I'm not one of these woke, anti-racist, you know, all that. It's important to me, but, you know, I don't, that's not where I, I focus my time and my efforts. And yet it, it made me actually feel sick seeing seeing a price list with different, um, with, with different prices for different skin colors. And obviously it, it lays open the chance for all this, for, you know, for, for children trafficking. 
I, I don't know how big that is, but yeah, it, it's it's scary, kind of scary stuff for me. That yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of I I like to call it the unknown topics about adoption that I think society and even adoptees ourselves we for the for the most part tend to ignore or not want to talk about because it's so deep and kind of just it's unsettling and it's something that you know i think subconsciously we we are aware there are some things that might be questionable whether that is a personal experience we've had or just something we've heard from someone else i feel like there's just not enough people who come forward and talk about it um i personally don't have any experience with it i'll be honest but i've heard from others who have and it's just it's an odd concept to think because you would think in the current era and how everything is and how we progressed as a world that something can like this can still exist but it can and that's what's scary about it yeah uh, and there was something about people trafficking in in the in the paper um this this morning and i didn't i didn't actually read the article but it, it it's just kid traffic child trafficking there's people trafficking it's hor- it's horrible uh, it's horrible stuff but um yeah, we don't really go that much. Uh, yeah, and I, I think the I'm not saying I, I, I think the system is the government funded system. I think I'm, I'm mainly a free market guy, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I believe in entrepreneurism, and I'm not a big fan of big, big, big government or big business. But I do yeah. think in this adoption space, it works. It, that, that system is more palatable, shall we say, to mm-hmm. me. Um, but I would say that post-adoption in the US is probably a little bit better than it is in the UK, but still not a lot of it. it you know, like it's I when I came into this space, I wanted to. I started getting speaking gigs. I. I really wanted to make a living, making a difference, working with adoption agencies through adoption agencies to share some of the stuff that I picked up along the way about how, about kids' emotional intelligence, about this, you know, this trauma-informed but hope-obsessed stuff. And I got a trickle. There was a trickle of interest and I thought, oh, I may be onto something here. Yeah. So I've been trying to make a living by making a difference for a lot of that, like since t- like 2011, but it didn't actually happen, right? So although I, I, I tried in many different ways to position myself, I've made a lot of conversation, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of foundation, uh, you know, exact directors of adoption agencies, and they're not. Their focus is adoption, not 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 post adoption, and it's it's not right. Yeah, it's it's not right. You know, like, and they say one thing and do another. Same as in in the UK, you know, I did a lot of stuff with kids. Kids in used to do webinars, not webinars. Used to do workshops in in elementary schools about kids' happiness, and all the schools websites talk about the kids happiness being their top priority 
and yet how many of them ignored my emails phone calls and you know like i'm i was brought up to be really honest and a, a kind of a man of my word and and i think there's yeah there's a lot of saying one thing and doing another right absolutely yeah and it, it's it's not it's not it, it doesn't it, it it makes yeah makes me it gets me that yeah yeah no i definitely the comment you made about adoption you said that agencies focus more on like the pre-adoption stage and getting a child adopted but they seem to i think you put it they don't engage as much when it comes to post-adoption what do you think like what do you think their big reason behind that is um, but probably short of resources and short of resources and and, and time. Yeah, um, and, and and they've they've got to go where the they've got to go where the money comes from. And the money right. isn't in post adoption. The money is in the adoption itself. I mean, most of them are non profits. Most of them, what do they call them? Five hundred ones, is it? Five hundred one Cs or something? Five hundred one C three in the yeah. US. Yes. Yeah, m- m- most of them are non profits, but. I don't know how much they pay themselves. I wouldn't imagine they pay themselves a lot, but I, I don't know. I, they've got to go where the dough is. They've got to focus where the dough is, and the dough isn't in, in post adoption. And yeah, yeah and 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 it's in, it, both on both sides of the pond. I think you guys are slightly better at than us, um, but both sides of the pond, it, we need a lot more of it. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So. Let's uh, go back a little bit and take some time to listen to your uh, adoption story um, of like how like how it happened. Anything that you're willing to share about your story, particularly? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was five weeks old when I was adopted, and um, my mum and dad told me so young that I can't remember ever not knowing. They they actually told me when I was um, just before I was two, and when we were going to to the back to the adoption agency in Liverpool to collect a little girl um, who became my, my, my system. It's not obviously from a different birth mother and uh, birth father. And um, yeah, we, so we knew, we knew early, didn't have any conscious kind of adoption trauma, felt well attached, I think is the jargon. Usual ups and downs of childhood stuff, quite a lot of bullying that got me really but yeah no conscious adoption trauma i would say no i shouldn't say oh you you know you, you're denying it you're suppressing it I, I don't know i mean shrinks are like lawyers that can make anything sound like anything they're very bright people don't they they're very they're very bright people and they can run rings run, absolutely run around, rings around me and i like to think of myself as fairly smart but those guys are way smart so so yeah um you know, like I was thinking about as I was uh, swimming this lunchtime, and I was thinking, "What, well, what I'm going to talk to about Dave?" And he says, "When I asked, when he asked me about the story, I'm nothing to report, really." You know, my um, the, the my mum and dad worked together, and my dad had set up a business, and he was pretty work obsessed, and I got that, I, I picked that up from him. So mm-hmm. at the age of eight. Uh, at the age of eight, I was sure that I was going to take over the family business and I was trying to um, recruit one of the lads in my class who was good at drawing and I knew that publishing, we needed 
we need people, illustrators, you know. And this guy was great at doing illustrations. So I was trying to recruit him when I took over the family business. So, yeah, and so I went into family business after college and um, that was that was tough. We'd done some changes in the business which made it tougher uh, and it was a real emotional roller coaster. It took me ages. I finally took the business over, but it took me ages to, to have a good year. It took me years to have a good year. It took me decades to have a good year. I think I took over in 96, probably had a good year in 2007. So it, it, it was, yeah, me and the business were, that was tricky, tricky stuff. And so but around when I was when I was 40, I found out that my teddy bear was from a birth mum. And, and my first reaction was one of gentle curiosity. And then, and then some anger came from nowhere, anger went towards my birth mother, which I never, I never thought about my birth mother. So never, you know, held any anger, anger towards her. So and around that time, I did have that good business year and it didn't do anything for me. It didn't stop me worrying about the future. So my antennae yeah. were up there about where, where happiness we can come from, from. And then I stumbled, stumbled across some stuff and got, did some, did a retreat, like a, what you call it, kind of personal development, more spiritual kind of stuff about, uh, and, uh, and then just went, got really interested in that, uh, and then ended up selling out of my business and well, what am I going to do next? Okay. Well, I'm going to take what I've learned about, you know, where, where happiness comes from, um, that sort of stuff, kind of emotional intelligence, positive psychology kind of in, in to you shorthand and uh, uh, and see how I can take that and, and share it with other people so in a roundabout way that led us led me to whatever it is um, 10 yeah I must have launched the podcast probably 10 years after after that decision yeah oh, yeah hmm. wow so when when you first saw or when you first heard about the teddy bear, right, what was your – you said that you felt anger. Yeah. How did you get over – did you ever get over that or are you still upset about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was talking to a coachy type woman, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I said – and the context – she was actually a, a horse whisperer. Yeah. So yeah. my business coach had bought me a birthday present, which was a horse whisper, as a communication skills course with horses. Yeah. It was good fun. I mean, it sounds completely nuts, but it was great fun. Well, no, no, um, it sounds really cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, I had this, uh, I, I, we we did it was we did some exercises with the horses and some exercises with, with just just humans and one of those I had like a temper tantrum mm -hmm. basically yeah. and the woman said if at the end of the day she said if you Simon something went on for you with that angry outburst that you had when we did that exercise if you ever want to talk about it then. I'm up for that. And so I said, well, I'm up for that. 
you know, like I, I, I was quite because I was so big into self development and personal development that sort of stuff. So I went to see her a few weeks later, and 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 I told her about the teddy bear, and I said there were some swear words which I won't use, but um, my she did she my birth mother didn't yeah. love me enough to keep me. What's this teddy bear? It's a consolation prize. Right, but a bit more, bit more uh, anger behind it, like a volcano. Yeah. Enough, right? um, yeah. And she said, well, I'm a mum, Simon, and uh, I don't think it would have been quite like that. And with that, the, I, I saw the truth in what she said. And the volcano stopped stopped um, um, erupting. But as I kind of sum this up now, there was still a little bit of white smoke coming out the top of the crater. Right? And um, and then fast forward about eight years, I get my adoption file. And in there is a, a letter from my birth mum, Pat, to the social worker about the teddy bear. And it becomes clear to me that the teddy bear was a, a symbol of her love. And she was in a horrible predicament. And the, what Sarah, who'd said, Sarah was one the one that said, I don't think it was kind of quite like that. So she'd, she'd yeah. counted my position. Uh, and... Um, and, and the, the the tears just cascaded down my face, and in a kind of like a poetic way, I th- I think that those tears extinguished the 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 fire in the volcano, and and there was no more smoke. It almost sounds like it was like a bit of relief that you came across this information that basically as you said put out the fire but it also shed some light onto the circumstances yeah. yeah yeah exactly it was more dramatic than that it it, it was a real it was almost like an out of body experience so i actually felt connected with her i felt her pain i felt one with her so the anger had been a, a barrier between us. Yeah. And, and she died. Like it, it was, look, it, it was a, it was a kind of like a spiritual moment. And she, she died probably 15 years before I read the letter. And obviously the letter was to a social worker. It, it, it wasn't a letter that she left for me. And how could she have known that? But there was a kind of a poetic. It, it was a it was a poetic. The, the, the teddy bear had started the saga, and ended the saga. Mm-hmm. It, it it brought it to a a, 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 a close. It, it was it was closure, and I felt connected with it. So, and it, it's but it's bigger than that, right? Yeah. So, have you ever been to have you ever been to uh, a, a concert when everybody's in the moment, or a, 
or a, a sporting event, like you know when like if they you know when they do their stars when they the start of the Super Bowl and they sing the Star Samuel Banner banner and right, everything. Right. Right? Yeah. Have you ever felt that? You ever felt that connection? Does that does that impact you? Because you're quite a, a, logic, a logical left brainy kind of a guy, so I don't know whether I'm making any sense. No, it definitely it it can move me definitely on like the circumstance, but it can feel that you're in like you're really in that moment and you're sharing it with everyone, and it just feels right that type of feeling. Yeah. So that that's the, uh, the that that is the abs- uh, the absence of separation and that 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 feeling is a feeling of love yeah and we t- we touch that space and we we don't really know what it is we don't really talk about it much you know like, who's especially two blokes like you and me how we can you know but uh, so this there's this sense of oneness we touch a space and it moves us and and and, and i felt a profound I can go to a rugby. My wife's from Scotland, and I go to a um, a rugby game, and it's Scotland versus France, right? So I'm not Scottish. I'm not French. I have, I just want to enjoy the uh, day out. Yeah. The the national anthems are played, and and we're all one. I'm not even. I'm not Scottish, and I'm not French, and I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it now right so we feel that connection it's the connection that we are all one and but most of our lives we live we we feel separate from one another you just gave me goosebumps now (laughs) we feel separate from one another and we feel separate from ourselves we're separate from our, our our true essence that place of that place of that place of love that's who we are but we're too busy in our heads, rushing around, doing stuff, and complaining about stuff, and what we do. Human, the human, yeah, the human condition, yeah. So, um, what we're talking about here really is that um, I use this, I use this quote all the time, and I still never learn how to say the guy's name. It's a French bloke, and he says we're not human beings having a spiritual experience with spiritual beings having a human experience and it, it, there's another school of thought saying we, we are one we are one spiritual being right and and, right. and, it's, and it's it's one spiritual being whether we are um, a, a, a american russian american american <laughs> russian <laughs> Yep, Welsh, yep. English, British, whatever. There's only there's there's only one there's on, only one consciousness. There's only one. That's that's who we are. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, that's deep. Yeah, and we and we feel separate, and and we we feel separate, and this is something that I'm sorry, I I cut you off there, Doug. Oh, that's fine. We feel separate from one another. The human race feels separate from one. That is the human experience. It is, it is one of separation. And I, I just got this this morning. And, and, and how profound, how much more separate do we feel as adoptees? 
I, it, it, it's it's just it's like turbocharged version. It's it's like a turbo version. It's the go faster version of the of, of, of the of the separation. You know, it's already another. It's it's like a, another layer of the cake. We have to get yeah. through. You have that first layer that we just talked about of human beings already. We want to exist as one, but there's that separation of being human to get to that spiritual level. But yeah. we want to get there, and then we're adopted. So now we have to get through the adoption phase and that whole side of, uh, yeah, you know, however we view it to get down to the core. I, I would, I would say, I love your analogy. I, I would tweak it slightly. I would just say that it, so the, the the cake of separation is is yeah. bigger. The, 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 the layer is bigger for us guys and and different layers different people different layers different levels of thicknesses right so right. i had something something really weird happened yesterday right i put a post up on facebook maybe yesterday the day before and somebody i said it was like do you want to come on the thriving adoptees podcast and this woman put um, no, because I'm not thriving. Something like that. Oh, Jeez, wow. And and, and that, so that was a, a that's a well, that was good. That was good actually, because like I, mean, I don't. Hey, at least stuff. they're at least they're honest. At least yeah. they're honest, right? But like, but that allowed me to, and in, that gave me an insight into how people are feeling, right? So I, I put a post out saying, right, I, this is to to make this clear, right we're all on a thriving curve or a learning curve or a healing right. curve, right? We're all on that. And, and the point of the, we're all somewhere along that curve. And the point of thriving adoptees is th- thriving. Isn't a yes or a no thing. It's a spectrum. Yeah. It's a curve. Right. And, and the point of the thriving adoptees podcast um, and maybe your podcast too, I don't know, is to try and help people along the curve, right? So, I'm, you know, if I'm, when I interviewed you and uh, and then when I interviewed you and Claire, uh, we've still never done one of the, another one of those yet. Um, the, what I'm trying to say is, is, um, is look, I, this is what David, uh, this is what Dave and, and Claire have learned. This is, these are insights they've had that yeah. have helped them it can can those insights utilize some insights in you and help you along your journey that's what i'm trying to do with the podcast okay and, yeah yeah and 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 so this woman saying well i'm not thriving it gave it gave me an insight into why people don't you know maybe people don't listen to the thriving adoptees podcast because they don't think they're thriving it's supposed to be kind of like an aspirational kind of a thing. It's supposed to be like a together thing. Let's come together. Let's learn, you know. Um, and so that was great for me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting an insight into how potential listeners think and feel, which allows yeah. me to adjust my positioning and hopefully bring in more people, right? More listeners. Yeah. And do different stuff. And, but so that was great. It knocked me back a bit getting the getting the comment, but there was one below that that knocked me back even further, which was essentially, I I, I just I, I'm so gobsmacked by this. You know what gobsmacked means? Yes, yeah, yeah. not a British idiom. Um, I can't really put it into words. 
she said that by thriving, we were uh, giving in. We were giving in to the rainbows and unicorns narrative of adoption. Thriving, you know, it, it, people, th thriving is, thriving adoptees, thriving is something that compliant adoptees do. And I'm like, what? So you're, you're, you're arguing against thriving. Like, Jesus, I mean, like, you, you, I'm sorry, I can't remember, I, I, I delete, I, I thought, shall I leave this comment up? And then I thought, I thought about it for a while, I said, yeah, okay, I'll leave it up. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to leave it up. I'm, it, 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 it's, she's replied to my post, I'm, I, I'm, I'm here, and this idea is just so nuts. I deleted it, and I unfriended her, and I blocked her. Because the idea that by thriving, we are perpetuating the myth of the adoption industry. I mean, so she's arguing against thriving. Who, what, I mean, what, what's going on for her? Like, poor, I mean. A, clearly a negative experience. <laughs> I mean, well, who knows? It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole point of Thrive, as you know, I mean, you, you always ask everyone that joins your podcast, what does thriving mean to you when you hear thriving adoptees? So now I'm going to ask you for once, what does thriving adoptees mean to you? Oh, great. Good one, yeah. I guess not not letting something, well, it's not even the letting thing. Ah, that's so good, mate. Um what is thriving? So I, I, I'm, I'll say by being, it's about being trauma informed but hope obsessed. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're we're aware, we're we're aware of the trauma, but our our fixation is not the trauma. It's it's uh, hope hope for a brighter, uh, a brighter uh, future, and um, it's about moving in along moving along that curve and not being cheesed off when we're not moving along that curve and being I, I would say being more interested in who we are than how we feel right so I mean that 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 the, the love space that we were talking about like five minutes right. ago that's who yeah. we are I'm more interested in that than how I feel. Like, Got it. Um, okay. Uh, you know, so uh, it's okay not to be okay. And and f feeling okay doesn't mean that there's any – feeling not feeling okay doesn't mean that you aren't just brilliant and beautiful right. and plastic and, you know, so it's about right. – it, you know, the, we we have a lot of uh, emotophobia around, and I've been emotophobic, so I've done a lot of worrying about worrying, and then worrying about worrying about worrying, and then a bit of 
worrying about worrying. And you become just, you become what a, a mentor of mine, a guy called Michael Neal said, become a bit of a moron. You actually got more on your mind. Um, <laughs> and and that, that, that's me. You know, I'm more interested in who I am than, than how I feel. And, and I'm more interested in, I, I've, I've had a little, I've had a little, little look down the trauma tunnel. Yeah. Um, uh, and luckily, I was around some people that got me to turn around 180 degrees and look. Instead of going dark, darker into the tra- uh, darker, darker down into the trauma tunnel, I, I when I turned around, I could still see light at the end of the tunnel. So I went towards that, right? Yeah. Um, but I know how easy it would have been to go darker, dark, darker and darker down. And if I'd gone in a little bit further, maybe I wouldn't have seen light at the end of the, end of the tunnel, and maybe I would have suffered more. Hmm. When you mention um, how in order to, I think you used the words along the line of you, you're more interested in yourself rather than how you feel. So are you saying yeah. that for us to fully understand, we need to really know ourselves first to even comprehend how we're feeling? Um, no. No. I, 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 what, what I mean is but who we are mm-hmm. is, is, you know, awareness or consciousness. Right. Like, so I am happy. I am sad. This one that I am is unchanged. The part of us that never changes. The thing that's aware of the voice in our head. Consciousness, awareness, spirit. Some people call this God. Some people call it love. Consciousness, awareness. Like the thing that is aware of the feelings, the thing that feels the feelings, the feel, the thing that is aware of the thoughts. Consciousness. Yeah. That, that's who we are. The I am bit, not, not my, the ups and downs of my emotional state. So, the nature of my mind rather than different states of my mind. Hmm. I like that. (laughs) That makes sense. I think, yeah. Wow. That's, (laughs) I'm speechless. That was, that was really, that was a really interesting connection and very deep connection, but very important too. Yeah, this is this is the important stuff. Right. So I, I, I tell this uh, little story quite a lot. So I don't know if you've heard it or not. But um, a, a friend of mine, who I don't see as much these days, because we're kind of different, uh, he said, the problem with you, Simon, is you're too deep. And I was like, taken aback. Like, you know, and I didn't come back. I didn't, the comeback didn't come to me until the following morning, what I could have said wrong. Um, and the answer that I came up with the following one is, would you prefer me to be more shallow? It's a good one. Yeah. But obviously I didn't come up with it in the moment. And if I'd said that to him, he's a clever guy, very faster thinker than me. So he would have come back to it. So the same, the same guy, he, he, we went out for lunch and, and um, he was talking about himself as he, as he does. And uh, I said, uh, 
I, I just laughed. I started laughing, and he said, "What's what is it?" He said, "I'm, I'm just, I said I'm just wondering whether you're going to ask when you're going to ask me about me, what, what's going on for me. You know, you've been talking about yourself for the last twenty minutes, half an hour. So wondering when you." He said, and, and, and he, he, he skipped to beat. His heart skipped to beat, and then he said, uh, "Well, I knew that you'll tell me. I, I knew, I knew, I knew that if anything's big going on, that you, you know that you'll tell me. So I don't need to ask you." So, do you know, like, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, deep, deep is, deep is where the good stuff is. Deep is where the diamonds are. You know, like, we're digging. Absolutely, we're digging, we're digging deep. You know, I changed the changed the logo, like uh, of the uh, Thriving Adoptees logo, from just a bit of type with the, a, a kind of like an upwards arrow, swooping arrow, um, to uh, to the to the diamond. You know, um, and and you know the, the the diamond that represents who we are. And, and, but we don't see that. Right? Well, I think it helps to um, definitely talk and spend time to get to that deep level to help understand yourself at a whole different, you know, whether it's spiritual, whether it's however you want to look at it. But that's the to get there, you need to think that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some. So I'm not a religious guy, but some people might say uh, if you're like um, a Christian. Uh, I was brought up a Christian. Um, hmm. Would I say I'm a Christian? I don't know. But, um, do you say a child of God, right? And and uh, there's something in the, you know, what what do they say in the in the Christian world? They say um, made in the nature of God or something. They don't really go hmm. much further than that, but I, 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 I'm saying, I'm just saying, well, we're all diamonds, right? I'm a diamond, you're yeah. a diamond. Right. Yeah. And, and identities, um, identities are many level beast, you know, like we talk about, like, so your, your first name was Max, was it? Maxime. Yeah. Maxime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can talk, I, I was, I was David Anthony Flower before I was Simon Jonathan then. So we said, I said a little bit earlier about, you know, that who, who we truly are never changes. So my name has changed. So I, I can't be my name. Names are labels that get poor honors. David Antifloud, Simon Jonathan Ben, that, that, that true essence of who we are never changes the i am bit never changes the the state of mind changes the nature of mind doesn't so we can look about identity you can look at okay well i'm i'm a Welsh because i was born in because i was born in wales or am mm-hmm. i english because i was you know like we can look at where you're born you with a russian heritage born in russia so are you russian like well, your passport says one thing did it you know so we we can look at identity we're, we're looking for what doesn't what never never changes so we're not our name um we're not our place of birth uh, we're not our culture everybody you know people talk a lot about in the uh, the transracial adoptee world you know talk, people talk a lot about um culture culture is is part of our identity so that's another that's another layer of identity you can look at. Yeah. Um, like the 
the the the, the voice in our head. You know, the thoughts are we are. Uh, no, we're the one that hears the voice in the head, right? So that's mm. we're the awareness one, or yeah, or our our feelings. What's trauma? Trauma for me seems to be trauma. I came up with this a few weeks ago, quite a month, a couple of months ago. I quite like it. Uh, trauma is a cocktail, sorry, a toxic cocktail of insecurity, anger, and fear. That kind of sums it up to me. I don't. That's think, really do you good. Any more? Can you put any more um, emotions in the in the cocktail glass? I don't think I'd want to. <laughs> oh, okay, that's enough, right? Um, uh, but with, yeah. with the glass, right? Mm-hmm. With the glass, not its contents. Our feelings come and go. Okay, some some come back more often than others. But when you're looking into Claire's eyes uh, over a romantic candlelit dinner. You're not you're not feeling insecure, right? You know, like you you you're as one. Um, so our our feelings, our feelings come and go. So they're not part of our identity either. So trauma, that's not you know. I, I put this on. This is I put, so I put it on Facebook last week. Are we our trauma? And some people say yes. Some people say no. And 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 then people say no, but it's a part of us. Well, if it's a part of us, you're saying yes, aren't you? Really, you know. And then I get one saying, and somebody says, um, "I know what you're trying to get me to say." <laughs> no, I'm just asking you whether <laughs> I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking a question because uh, because me for me separating from my trauma was a huge relief. You know, you use the word relief. Right. Uh, and I yeah. said the word, the, word, the, uh, the word wasn't quite right, but you know it's 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 close enough, right? So yeah, if if we can see a gap between who we are and how we feel, who we are, our essence, and the trauma that we've gone through, because people talk about trauma in the medical world, they'll, usually they'll talk about trauma as an event, right? So it's something that comes from the physical world. And then we're back to the primal wound, aren't we? So we're talking a primal wound. You're giving a physical metaphor for something that is abstracting. So, so yeah, where was I going with that? So I asked the question, are we our trauma? Just to get people asking, answering the question, giving it some thought. You know, and, and we're going to a space beyond we're going hopefully we're going to be on uh, we're going to a, a place beyond our story yeah. beyond the, the 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 you know the ego identity the, the the story that we've got in our heads the narrative that we've got on our heads this is one of the things that concern me in the dot space right so everybody says we've got to share our story mm-hmm do we? I don't know. This seems to be seen as a good thing, right? So I've got this story in my head that my birth mother didn't love me enough to keep me. Okay. You've got to share your story, Simon. Okay. I'm going to go and share that story. So every time I share that story, I'm making the story more concrete. So it's not, it, it, it's not just ready mix concrete that i'm making this story out of i'm actually putting k-bars through it i'm putting steel through it 
Yeah. This is now, it's now reinforced concrete. And my mind is set. It's set, I'm sure. Yeah. I, 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 who, want, who wants to be set in their ways? Who wants to be stuck in their trauma? Who wants to be stuck in thinking, in, in believing a false thing in their head? I mean, why? Why would you want to be stuck? You know, everybody says mindset. Well, never mind that. Never mind. Or growth mindset. Well, it's still set. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather be mind fluid myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd rather be, you know, holding my beliefs a little less lightly. Maybe, you know, is this true? Just believe that I've got truth. We, the, 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 the world is obsessed with trauma. In, yep. this, in the, the adoptee world, it's obsessed, uh, adoption world, adoptee world, obsessed with trauma, justifying their trauma, feeling that others don't recognize their trauma. You know, uh, we, you were asking about the um, uh, the webinars I did with um, yeah. um, Michelle Anderpass, who's an adoptive mum, about uh, uh, she's in publishing, so we, it was about getting our, getting our, uh, get, I've done two, one about marketing books and one about writing the book. Right. And she said, one of the she one of the people on the on the webinar said, oh, "Well, I want to write a book so that non-adoptees realise what adoptees go through." And I thought, "Well, non-adoptees are be going through their own stuff. Why would they? Why would they give a a hoot about reading? You, you, you've got your own SH1T on your your own plate. You're not going to." You're not going to say, right? I'll, I'll give me some, give me some of that adoptee trauma stuff, and uh, yeah, and 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 why? Why on earth would they be interested in a non-adoptee be interested in adoptee trauma? And this is like because I, 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 I see my own doing this stuff, right? I, I, I've I've seen me doing very similar things. And I know it, it's a waste of time. And it's like banging your head against a brick wall. I banged my head against a brick wall for years. And then I figured, well, perhaps not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, even from the adoptee point of view, you just said, you know, from a, someone who isn't adopted, why would they go out of their way to purchase a book to learn more about adoptee trauma? Yeah, but- yeah. Why would they even buy it? That's a good question. Why would they buy it? I mean, yeah. They've got what's in it for me, right? What's in it for me? There's this WI people only listen to it. Well, that so they may might, might be bulimic or they might be anxious, um, uh, suffering some trauma because their parents separated or their sister died or their husband's yeah. broken his neck or you know, or because they've just been made redundant or because. They can't afford the mortgage. They're worried about their stuff. Yeah. So why on earth would they? I and and, and somebody might like a, a pub. Michelle wouldn't do this, but I'm, I'm sure some publishing people, publishing experts and helpers and consults would take money off that person to write a book for people that will never be interested in buying it. Never mind reading it. What a huge waste of time, 
money, effort, paper. Well, I feel, I feel like adoption is. Honestly, I feel like adoption is something that society sees as a profitable topic. It's just to add, it's a subject to add into trauma that exists already in the world with other categories of trauma, that it's another form of something that they can, whether mix words with or come up with their own conclusions about. But, you know, it's not uncommon to hear adoptees talk about how you know, they feel used sometimes by people overanalyzing them, particularly because they're adopted and they think that they are so different than everyone else. And it's like at the end of the day, you know, we're all human beings. Like you said, at the beginning, we're all spiritually connected. And that French uh, quote, the French quote of we're all living a we're all spiritually connected, living a human experience or something like that. Right. And I think that pretty much defines what we're trying to do. Yeah. And trying to change the, like trying to change the world's opinion of us. I, I, I recently, I used to have on my little blurb, you know, on social adoptee, podcaster, speaker, and advocate, something like that. I, I recently took the word advocate off. It, I, it may be, I'm still on some sites that I, I haven't remembered and I'm, taken off but um i took the word advocate off because i'm not trying to do that i'm not trying to change i'm not trying to change the laws about adoption i'm not trying to um change the way that people think about adoptees i'm trying to change the way that adoptees think about adoptees right that's what i'm trying to do i you know i'm i'm trying to help them along their healing, learning, thriving curve. Right. But but I know that I can't do that on my own. So with my podcast, our podcast episodes, I'm trying to tap into each time I'm trying to tap into the guest's wisdom, not mine. I might sprinkle a little bit of mine in. I might get a bit over overexcited um, when I get onto a topic that I really love love or if it seems to me that the guest you know sometimes it happens the uh the guest is flagging a little bit or you know like i may i may sprinkle more i'm trying to not do that (laughs) i'm trying to not railroad people i did i did not publish one a couple of a couple of months ago uh i i've asked somebody or i i hadn't done the full kind of checks that i normally do and done the full hour conversation before we did the podcast. I'd just gone, thought, oh, she knows what she's talking about. And we'd gone straight into that. And we ran out of stuff. So I, I ended up putting too much of my own stuff in when she's the guest. Yeah. So I realized that afterwards. And I and after we hit the, after I finished the recording, I realized a couple of minutes after what, what I'd done, it was, it was off. So I emailed, I said, I'm really sorry. I, I think I put too much of my own stuff in our conversation today. I don't want to do that. And uh, if you give me another chance, we'll we'll re-record the interview. I, I now know where you where you where your wisdom lies, and we'll concentrate on your wisdom, and I won't railroad you anymore. So, and she, graciously, she did that. It was great. 
was great. It was a big learning, you know, learning moment for me. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm not trying to advocate, you know, because I'm cha- changing what, you know, trying to change the, the world's opinions of us seems to me like quite an uphill task. Why fight for something that you feel is already too large that you don't want to get involved in where you can one-on-one connect with so many more people on a personal level. Yeah. And, and it's my, it's where I choose to, to, you know, to focus my time. I'm, it's not right for me. I'm, I'm not saying that advocates shouldn't advocate. Right. If, if we should do what we feel uh, called to do. If they feel called to advocate, good on them. They might, you know, like people that people say they um, they don't want to come on the podcast because they're not thriving. Well, don't. That's I can't. But, you know, like we've we've all got to stick to kind of like stick to our own lane and and do what what we feel is the best expression of our skills, I guess, and and our talents and our passion. Yeah. yeah. So why did you set the Sorry, what? Because well, you, you, um, you know, when we came into contact, what a couple of years ago now? Um, yeah, I, I, I'd found you through the Russian adoptee stuff that you're doing. Brilliant, mm-hmm. and you bought brilliant, brilliant, and and now you're doing a podcast. What was there a particular reason that you that you did start start the podcast? You just, or did you think it? it well, to be honest, Maybe, uh, transferring. Yeah, as did my think, cat is. Did you think yeah. you know, a, like this bloke over the pond that's twice your age, is you know, like, I give him a run for his money. Uh, you know, yeah. he's doing kind of podcasting. No, no. To be honest, I give you a lot of credit because you you inspired me to think outside the box and see what else I can do to give back in terms of anything. Because when I first wanted to get into like adoption and talk about stories. I mean, that's why I started the whole Russian adoptees side of everything. Yeah. You know, I wanted to bring people together just to meet, just to learn from each other and just connect. And then after talking to you about it, that just put me in a whole different like mindset. Like, wow, there's a lot more we can uncover that is just, you know, just getting past the basic, you know, I'm adopted and this is my name and that's it. You know, there's a whole like mental side of things and, physical side of things and but honestly you yeah no you inspired me to keep going and think of something else and i said well you know he's doing a podcast so why not and i just yeah, decided nice. to just just randomly one night i'm like you know what let's 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 try something let's let's see how yeah. how like where this goes and i'm curious and i was thinking of a name and i'm like well you know it's just I thought first I was thinking, well, it's just a bunch of adopted people talking. So at first I was thinking, why not like, you know, I'm a, like adoptee voices or, you know, our voices, I'm adopted, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, voice of adoptees. Like, it's just a bunch of adoptees coming together and having conversations. And that's what we're doing. And I think it, it provides another tool, just like what you're doing. And, you know, our philosophy is just come on and share who you are and your journey and, what matters to you, you know, and it's a 100%, you know, unbiased, you know, non-judgmental form. 
And there's a lot of people I've interviewed so far that would tell me, you know, this is actually the first, like they'd say, this is the first time I've been interviewed to, to speak publicly about my adoption. And there are questions. And after, you know, we have the interview, we talk about it, we dive into certain areas. And after they send me a message and say, you know, you just opened up my mind on so many different things. And I said, well, it always, it always takes that one person and you did that to me. So just think about that one person that I go do off to, and I go do that to another person and it goes to, and you know, it's the, you know, the cause, cause and effect kind of train and so to speak, but uh, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah. That's cool. So I, I owe that to you. <laughs> well, great. I'm glad that, uh, um, and you're in, you're clearly enjoying it. So, and, and that's, I think that for me, that's the most important thing. If I think about me and my, uh, just think of me and my, uh, me and myself that I enjoy the, I enjoy the conversations and, uh, we don't have a lot of ratings and we're in, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's small. It's, it's small compared to other um, adoptee podcasts. And um, Hayley Radke got first mover advantage, didn't she? So, um, but she, you know, but she's she's talking about she's talking about stories, and I'm more interested in learnings. I think learnings about you know, learnings that make people forward. She's cool. She, yeah, she does she does her stuff. I I do mine, and we do what we call we we call to do, and and I and I get lovely little messages back. From, from the usually it's a guess actually that um, they they that's they've had a good time and that they want to come back on again and yeah they're doing different stuff like you and, and oh yeah and I was thinking that the other reason that you said you, the, the the other reason that subconscious reason that you set up Russian adoptees because you wanted to meet Claire you said, if if you had you know would you. I sure. <laughs> I mean, that sounds that sounds pretty good. I'll have to use that. It does. Yeah. Well, it does. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I'm not really into that fate and manifesting stuff. That was, yeah, that, uh, that's not yeah. really my bag. So I don't know why I said that. That's rubbish. Anyway. That's fine. No, it's it's okay. comical. Okay. Um, I love Jaya if you listen, ever listen to this. She will. <laughs> we actually uh, interviewed her um, a couple weeks ago, and her uh, episode just got released a few days ago okay so it's pretty cool to hear her story a little bit about her experience so far and yeah it took a lot of courage for her to open up so i'm proud of her for that she never really wanted to talk about it much she's a genuinely kind of a very reserved person and keeps a lot of things to herself so for her to you know for a very shy reserved person to be with me for three through three years to someone who's loud and out there. It's definitely uh, you know, a little different experience, but I think I opened up her eyes on, you know, <laughs> a lot to be proud of who you are and be proud of where you're from. And yeah, it's yeah. okay to talk about things. It's okay to dive deep when you need to. It's okay to, you know, talk about feelings. And I think whether it's you want to blame it on culture, what do you want to blame it on society or the world? I think, for the most part, a lot of people feel that, you know, we need to suppress our feelings or suppress our thoughts and not talk about it because it's easier, right? But the longer we do that, the longer it's going to cause trauma. And then we go on that whole debate, you know, you know that yeah. topic. Yeah. So um, one of the women that, you know, I put the post out, do you want, you know, do you want to have a chat about coming on the podcast? And the person said, no, I mentioned earlier on, 
said no um that would involve everybody knowing that i'm adopted and i was thinking well there's not that many people listen to the show so <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so it was it, well, well you don't have to worry about that my my ratings suck you don't have to worry about, you don't worry about that. <laughs> um the uh i but this kind of leads me on to well it reinforces something that you said like five minutes ago and you know if we if it if it helps one person right now i thought that that's a good thing intellectually you know, yeah. just, if it helps one person that's enough but i have still been on occasion uh, frustrated by the um, the numbers, right? So I was talking to to Vin, um, a uh, like you, a good friend. It's been on the show more than uh, on Thriving Doctors more than once. Been on a couple of times, uh, and he, I was expressing uh, some minor frustration, and it is kind of only minor. Last Christmas, about the listeners' numbers. He said, don't, I, I, he said to me something so bloody obvious that I hadn't seen it before. He said, don't confuse the quality of your podcast impact with the quantity of other people's podcasts. That's right. And like my mentor has been trying to get me get me to see that sort of thing my coach yeah for about 10 years and when i'm speaking to on the phone i get it and then i forget it but there's something about the way that vin said it it, i made it made me realize that i would the most important thing to me is that i do the uh, a podcast that i'm in in my way that I'm proud of, and that I that I and I enjoy doing. And the more I enjoy doing it, the more the guest is going to enjoy doing it. And the more the guest enjoys doing it, then the better the conversation is going to be, and hopefully, the better the impact. But most people in adoptee land, you know, you think about what do adoptees write? They write memoirs. They write the memoirs and the stories, like you did, yeah. Um, and then you kind of sprinkle the learnings within that. You know, that's the usual kind of thing. So we talk about our stories and we sprinkle the insights. But um, I want to do it the other way around, right? So I want to have the, the insights, the, uh, the learnings, that, that's the context for the conversation. And then the bits of the story appear naturally. Yeah. So that and, and that and me doing it my way is what I want to do because when I realized that my belief about my birth mother was totally wrong, was totally and utterly wrong, that made my life a whole lot better. So it's about, I, I believe that healing is about insights. And that's why I try and make the podcast about people's did you ever did you ever connect with any of your biological family at all in terms of finding out if there's cousins or aunts or uncles out there so the 
uh, an uncle from Canada uh, was the one that confirmed that what I suspected that my birth mother had died. Okay. I've had a couple of Christmas cards of him. That's it. Um, did my DNA last year, and on New Year's Day this year, slightly hungover, which is a bit of a weird one. I I spoke to a cousin. I so I spoke to a cousin. So my biological father was called Ray. Is called Ray. We're not sure whether he is still alive or not. And this cousin is nine years older than me, and she remembers her uncle Ray, my biological dad, from when she was a kid. And and uh, yeah, we had a good we had a good chat. Uh, and then with, but not not much, not much since. Maybe a few emails. It doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to have the momentum. I don't find myself ringing her so it, it, it doesn't feel like it's meant to be a long-term kind of thing oh, okay and are so are you not interested in pursuing like finding if your biological father is still there and well i haven't done it so that this, the the apparent answer to your question is no i i think about it and thought about it i thought oh i could because she uh, you know this this cousin she did know him she could suss him out you know she could have a chat with him she she doesn't she she is not in contact with him at the moment but because he knows her from the past I'm, it would be an easier call for her to make than me and she could suss him out yeah um but i haven't found myself doing that so i tend to be quite uh, locked on yeah I, 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 when, when I want to do something I mean, yeah. and the fact that I haven't done it tells me I don't really want to do it uh, and I've considered well is that because he left my birth mother in the lurch because he did they've been going out for five months and um, she told him he was pregnant he didn't want everything to do with her so is am I, am I just not interested just because he's rejected the unborn me? I, I don't know. It, it, but I've I don't I haven't found myself doing it. So I guess it's not not meant to not meant to be. Maybe my thing will change. Maybe maybe it will change. Like I got my the name of my birth mother and didn't take it to the next step for probably another six months, nine months or something. I had a meltdown in yeah. a therapist chair and ended up thinking, okay, I've got to, I've got to find her. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, but at one stage I wasn't, you know, I, I sat on that information, didn't do anything, sat on my hands, didn't do anything. So maybe something will happen and I will want to, but. Okay. Because time will tell. <laughs> yeah. So I always finish with one question to everyone. And that question for you is what piece of advice can you leave for our listeners or some words of wisdom from the one and only Simon? Okay. Words of wisdom. 
you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And if that is of interest to you, um, check out uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's Voice of Knowledge, great book, or anything by Rupert Spira, S-P-I-R-A, because these guys are far better at pointing to the truth of who we are than I am. They've been doing it longer. Yeah. They're more precise, more accurate, more, especially Rupert Spira. Brilliant guy. Yeah. Wow. Well, Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank it's you. always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. I know our conversations are very long and detailed and deep, and I think that's amazing. And I encourage more people to have these conversations because they're very important. Yeah. You've been amazing as always. And whenever you want to come and share some updates about your life or how you're doing and check in, yeah. we're always here for you. And I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you soon and scheduling something on your podcast. And yeah. for all those yeah. who want to talk to Simon, he's always eager to talk to adoptees as well over at Thriving Adoptees. You can do a Google search. You can find him on all the podcast platforms as well as Voice of Adoptees. We're both here. We're both interested in learning about your story and we both care about what we're trying to do that was an incredible experience our episode will be released and over time you'll see that we invite everyone onto our show so whether you're an adoptee whether you're from the foster care international domestic or a birth parent even we'd love to talk to you you can find us online at voiceofadoptees.com and as always thanks for stopping by we'll catch you next episode Voice of Adoptees. Who am I? Thanks for listening to Voice of Adoptees. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave a review. See you next time.